Amen, church. Why don't we just lift up a shout of praise right now to our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's let that sweet anointing fall upon this place right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. There is a sweet anointing that is in this place for sure right now. Open up ourselves to you, Jesus. Have your way in our lives. Have your way right now, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Amen, church. I think it'd be appropriate right now if we just give a, a shout of praise one more time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. been asked of me to step out of my comfort zone, and it's crazy how God does that to us sometimes. I mean, believe me, if there's not a computer in front of me, I'm a little out of my comfort zone sometimes. But it's been asked of me to, to preach the word, and I told Brother Zach, I don't know if it's going to be preached, more or less it's preach, but we'll see how we go. Um, I figured we'd get down here. Thank you. I figure we get down here, get personal. I like getting personal, you know. I'm not get get to the nitty gritty, right? Amen. If you'll turn your word with me to Deuteronomy chapter 24, I will be cognizant of the time. Some people have briskets on the smoker, maybe. Some people maybe have a parade to get to find you a good spot, maybe get you some candy. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 14 through 16. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong ones, honey. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I put the wrong verse. That's not even my honey's fault. That's my fault. Deuteronomy chapter 24, we're going to read verses 14 through 16. It says, for this reason, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Amen. I'm going to be preaching on everybody needs a team. I mean, you may be seated as long as you promise to treat with me. So I, I, I started off by um, Thursday. I was talking to my buddy at work. He goes, I really should have taken Tuesday off instead of Friday. He was off Friday. He got a, an extended, extended weekend. I said, dude, I wish I had Friday and Tuesday off. I don't know. I just need that mental break sometimes. I've only been back for a month, but that mental break is really, (laughs) 
Amen. But I started looking up, why do we celebrate Labor Day? And um, Honestly, it's for harvest days is really one of the big thing. Um, but then I started looking at some of the stats, and it, it was interesting that a lot of sports stuff happens during Labor Day. Or so at the National Collegiate Athletic Association, or the NCAA, teams usually play their first games this weekend. So if you didn't see, there was a lot of college games that started this weekend. Um, the NFL traditionally plays their, their kickoff game the Thursday following Labor Day. Brother Joe was here. He'd probably agree with me on this one. I don't know for sure. Since the Southern 500 NASCAR auto races have been held on Labor Day weekend at Darlington Raceway in Darlington, South Carolina from 1950 to 2003 and since 2015 at the Indianapolis Raceway Park. The National Hot Rod Association holds their final NHRA U.S. Nationals drag racing this weekend. And Labor Day is the midpoint between weeks one and two of the U.S. Tennis Open. So a lot of sports happening because of Labor Day. Um, and if you haven't played a sport, you know it's a labor. <laughs> or if you have played a sport, excuse me. So um, I'm not talking about labors, though. I, just some interesting facts I thought I'd throw out there for you. Um, so an article by Reading Rockets, which is a national media library, um, offering information and resources on how young kids can learn to read and so why, and why so many struggle writing about self and family fits into, or excuse me, let's try this again, church. We're going to rewind. In an article on Reading Rockets, a national public media literacy initiative offering information and resources on young kids learn to read, why so many struggle, and how caring adults can help. It says many teachers have found that telling stories and writing about self and family fits into their literacy curriculum. But as teenage, or teachers, Sandy Bangert and Robert Brooke concluded in their book, Rural Voices, Place con Conscious Education and Teaching of Writing, Engaging the Community Takes More Work, but Work That Is Well Rewarded. And it's so true that engaging with your family is work. Maybe that's just me. I'm going to speak about myself right now, but engaging in my family sometimes can be a little bit of work. I know, that's just my family, but sometimes it is. You, you have that one cousin maybe, the one aunt, the one grandmother, whoever. I'm not going to name names, Allison, who is a little difficult to get along with in your family sometimes, right? We all have that person that's like, oh, no, I hope Allison isn't at family Christmas this year. It's going to be such a hassle to try and put up with her. But really, family is work sometimes. And at best, family performs values, um, excuse me, performs various valuable functions for its members. Perhaps most valuable of all, it provides for emotional and psychological security, particularly through warmth, love, and companionship. The first three months of a child's life is, they say, is the one of the most crucial in that child's development for social security, meaning that if they want to trust others, that first three months is very crucial in that child's life. So having a supportive family is really crucial in that child's 
first three months. And so I, it began to occur to me that the word family really is such a strong point in our life that it, it, it can be work, but it's so, so needed. The word family in, came to English in the 15th century, and its root word in the Latin is familis. Does anybody know what that means? I'll give you a dollar if you know what it means. No, it means servant. The root word for family is servant. And I'm going to blow some minds here, but to be a part of the family of God, you have to be willing to serve. Serving is hard work. That's why I said sometimes getting along with your family is hard work because God is saying it's not always going to be sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. But it's hard work because sometimes you don't want to serve the people who have hurt you, right? Sometimes you don't want to you don't want to serve the people who have spoken ill against you. You don't want to have to be nice to those people. Ezekiel chapter 2 verses 2 through 5 says, "Son of man, prophesy against the shepherd of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus saith the Lord God, all shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves in the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not slaughtered, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, with the forces of harshness you have ruled them. Am I picking up on something here? So that they were scattered because there was no shepherd. God is saying that we, we've taken time to take care of those who don't need our help. We've taken care of those, we'll, we'll, we'll pay attention to those who kind of benefit us, right? He's talking in here that, you know, you're taking care of those who, yeah, if you got something for me, I'm going to do something for you. But God says, what about those who are on the street, who are hurting, who are dying? Those who are dealing with drug addiction, those who are dealing with self-doubt, what have you done for them? It says, they wandered over all the mountains on every, on every hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search and seek for them. God is saying, who is going to reach out for those lost? Who's going to reach out to those who are sick, who are hurting, who are, who are starving? What God is telling us is that we are meant to help those in need, to those who are unloved. We aren't meant to sit idly by for those who are hurting around us. But the church is meant to be a place of healing. The church is meant to be a place of of coming together as a family. And dare I say, the church is meant to treat people like people. God's been dealing with me recently about this, and it's just been heavy on my heart of no matter who people are, it's just their race, their creed, their color. And if you saw my Facebook post, this is part of my sermon no matter your race, your creed, your color, your national origin, your sexual orientation, whatever, your political agenda, God says that you are loved. 
if you're a, a Biden fan, Trump fan, or somewhere in between, you are loved. If you love the Patriots or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you are loved. So even if you love men or women, church, you are still loved. Whether you side with so-and-so on certain different on different situations in your life, God says no matter what you have gone through, no matter what you do, you are deserving of my love. First John 4, 7, 17 through 21, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to the population of his, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 39, it's, it says, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And second is like, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And what's interesting to me is when you put those together, it's kind of like the second is also like a subheading of the first one. You know, it's like 1A and 1B. Because it says in 1 John, anyone who does not love does not know God. If you don't love your the person who's sitting next to you, you don't love God. And God's saying the greatest commandment is to love God. So if you're not loving your neighbor... Are you truly loving God? We find ourselves, we want to be after this will of God, but how are we treating those around us? How are we treating the poor on the street, those who are hurting, who are lost? Our, our own earthly family members, how do we treat them? God says, you can't love them, you can't love me. So how can you love God if you don't love your family, your church, or your community? James 1, 26 through 27, it says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. It says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. This is the part I want to hone in on. It's to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself stained from this world, to visit the orphans and the widows, church. It means for those who are hurting, those who are fatherless or don't have a family, right? Anybody ever felt like that in their life where you were all alone? Wouldn't it have been nice to have someone there to pick you up? Church, you're called to be that for someone. If you know someone's hurting, the word of God says you are there for them. God says, if you love me, 
you're going to be there for someone else. Matthew 9, 32 through 38, and as they were going away, behold, a demon, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers in his harvest. So much going on in this scripture right here. And really what I'm, I'm focusing on right now is the mute man. God says if you're going to go to those who can't speak for themselves. You're going to be the ones that speaks up for those who are hurting. You're going to be the one who speaks up for those who are dealing with afflictions. God says you are called to help them. And it doesn't say the mute man was came to Jesus by himself. It says a demon-oppressed man who was a mute was brought to him. There were friends with him, church. There were people that said, I know a God. I know someone who can help you. And sometimes that's all they're looking for is someone to say, hey, I, I can't give you the answers. I can't give you what you're looking for, but I know a place that may be able to help you. I know a God who will, who will offer up healing for you. And then after this, isn't it interesting? He sends out people after that. As soon as one healing's done, what does he do? He sends people out to say, all right, now that you've seen what has happened, I want you to go out and to help those who also need that. Those who can't speak need Christ more. And those who are needing need the body of Christ to help them, to support them, to give them guidance, to lead them to a Savior. Joseph, here comes the unfortunate part. Joseph was rejected by his family. If you don't know the story of Joseph, Joseph was the young, one of the youngest of, of his father's house. He was favored. Um, and he was given a, this special coat, all right? They, they say the coat of many colors. It, he was given a gift by his father. And then, of course, you know, as dad gives Alice and the other stuff. Uh, some people maybe get jealous. So what do Joseph's brothers do? Like any normal human being, well, we're going to get rid of him. You know, that makes sense. I'm just going to get rid of Allison. So we find Joseph betrayed by his family. Joseph gets thrown into a pit. They take his, 
his favorite coat that he just got from H&M, and they slice it. They cut it. They pour some ram's blood on it. They sell Joseph into slavery, and then they present Joseph as dead to his father. It's a pretty messed up family. We all thought our families were messed up. All right. You thought your family was hard to love until they sell you into slavery. I think you've got a little one up on them right now. So Joseph finds himself in slavery, eventually finds himself in prison. And through the works of God, he's let out of prison and finds himself to be second in command to to Pharaoh. And then Joseph's family, who's from Israel, has a drought. So they come to Egypt to get food, right? Anybody think of, thinking maybe you would have held a little grudge? Just me? Okay, cool. I'm glad you guys are all the religious people in that I'm the I I I'm telling you, church. This this boy would not have held his tongue. <laughs> I uh might have had a few choice words for Joseph's family. I they probably wouldn't have came out with food. But Joseph forgives them. He says, you are my family. Because he sees the greater of what God has done for him. And he knows that God says, you are my family. I'm going to take care of you. That story should tell you this. Sometimes your family is going to hurt you. You may not always agree with someone in the church. You may not agree with everyone who's in your immediate family. But we're going to stick to the church right now. You may not agree with what I'm preaching. You may not agree with everything that pastor preaches or teaches. You may not agree with what your parents say or whatever. Insert whatever. But God says you're going to get hurt. You're, you're human. If you're not human, please don't tell me. Conspiracy theories will go out the window. But we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes in our lives. We're all going to accidentally say the wrong word. Maybe purposely, I don't know. But we're all going to say that one thing that may hurt someone's feelings. We're all going to say that one thing that maybe gets under the skin of someone else. But Joseph had to realize, if you're going to love God, you've got to love everyone. You've got to be willing to forgive you got to be willing to say, you know what, what's happened be- before is, is in the past. And church, that's the hardest thing sometimes is saying it's in the past, right? I know, again, I'm going to speak from my own experience. I'm not going to speak for anyone else. But it is hard sometimes to forget that past of people who've hurt you. It's hard to forgive those and forget those of, of what's happened to you. It was a bright, sunny morning on the football ground at soccer, in case you didn't know. The sun was shining yellow, and seeing this, a group of boys decided it was time for a good old-fashioned match. And one of the boys decided to bring the soccer ball. Another boy brought the corner flags. Similarly, other boys brought football kits. One boy brought the goalkeeper gloves. Another one brought some goalposts. Another one brought some, some marking chalk. 
And after some time gathered, everyone on the ground started picking teams. And soon there was an argument about who will select the team members. Then they decided that the person who brought the most valuable object to play the game should pick the team. And as time went by, they couldn't decide who eventually brought the most valuable item. Then they decided to start playing the game with all the objects they brought. And one by one, they will get rid and see which is the most important to play the game. So the game started. The first thing they got rid of was the whistle because they thought the referee could shout instead of whistling. Then the goalkeeper removed his gloves and started playing with his bare hands. Then they replaced the goalpost with a couple of bins on each side. And finally, they replaced foot, the football with an old tin. And while the boys were playing the game, a father and son saw them playing, and the father said to his son, Son, see the boys and, and learn from them. Without football, they were managing to play. Even though they were never growing, or excuse me, step even though they were, they were never going to improve the game by playing with those objects. One of the boys nearby heard him and told his friends, then they realized that because of their ego and individual pride, they weren't enjoying the game. And in life, everyone's going to have a personal goal. Everyone's going to have their own agenda that they want to achieve. But when you work as a team, the team's goal is more important than the individual goal. Sometimes we're going to come before each other saying, well, I've got, I want to do this. Well, I want to do that. I think we should do it this way. Well, maybe we should do it that way. And sometimes we have to maybe compromise, make amends to what we're doing because we have to realize that we're one family working towards the kingdom of God. Again, you're not always going to agree with what everyone is saying. It's inevitable. If you the point of being a family is that you can challenge each other. I think if you can't challenge one another, but there's no point of being that family member. There's no point of being a friend saying, hey, you can do better. You can go further than what, what you're doing right now. I challenge you. There's so much church that we could do for each other. And as I'm coming to a close, I ask that you would stand with me. I'm not going to do an, the orthodoxal thing and have a, you can stay, Sister Sanchez. We're not even going to have an altar call. I kept it short for a reason. Again, people have food, parades to get to candy to catch but I want us to do one thing and one thing only if it's appropriate find someone who's next to where you can lay hands on them uh, and just pray with each other as we close out this service I'll, I'll give you a few seconds to find someone to, to pray with because church we can't do this alone we can't do this by ourselves. It's a pretty lonely life if you can't do it with someone else. And I'm going to give, I'm going to lead us in prayer, but let, 
Let's pray for our brothers or for our sisters. Don't pray for yourself, but let's pray for the person you're standing next to. God, we thank you for allowing us to come together to be family with each other, God. Lord, right now, we offer up our, our brother or sister in a time of prayer, God. Lord, that we know that in times of trial, in times of situations, God, we can rely on each other and we can rely on our church, Jesus. Lord, we were meant to be there for our family. We're meant to be there in the times that they need us, God. Lord, we know that sometimes it's going to be rough. Sometimes there's going to be uh, situations, Jesus. We may not always agree, God, but God, we know that with you we love each other. Through you, God, this family will see more than we have ever seen before, God, because through you there is a greater. Lord God, we thank you for everything you're doing, Jesus. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.